Hi, welcome to the podcast, The Socially Inspired Investor, where you can expand your knowledge of rewarding investment strategies and address environmental and socially responsible investing alternatives with important insights from experts in the field. I'm Pat O'Neill. These programs feature ESG, environmental, social, and governance stories in focus, and deep dive discussions with notable people in the industry. This time, the topic, Major Legislation Gives Hope for Fighting Climate Change. Also featured in companion articles in the Socially Inspired Investor Digest at sociallyinspiredinvestor.com. It's one of the biggest victories for climate action in the United States in more than a decade, a $900 billion bipartisan congressional package, largely for coronavirus relief, but also designed to help reduce carbon emissions and fund research and development for renewable energy. $35 billion is earmarked for renewable energy technology and programs that haven't been updated since 2007. Included in the package, about $4 billion for solar, wind, hydropower, and geothermal R&D, $1.7 billion to help low-income families install renewable energy sources in their homes, $2.6 billion for the Energy Department's Sustainable Transportation Program, $500 million toward lowering industrial emissions, and $2.9 billion for funding high-risk, high-reward research in the government agency ARPAE, or ARPAE, the Advanced Research Projects Agency Energy. So what does all that mean? Well, our guest today is Desmond Wheatley, president and CEO of Beam Global, that's B-E-A-M Global, which is in the business of clean energy transportation, and that includes solar-powered electronic vehicle charging stations. Good morning, Desmond. Thanks for joining us. Well, hello, Pat. Thank you very much for having me. It's my great pleasure to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about Beam Global, what it is and what you do? Yes, we're a San Diego-based sustainable technology innovation company. We invent and then design, engineer, and actually manufacture products which are designed to use renewable energy to energize electric vehicle charging infrastructure, outdoor media, and energy security. So our core offering is about allowing people to drive on sunshine using our EV charging systems, which are rapidly deployed and which are not connected to the grid in any way. That makes them less expensive, less disruptive, well, certainly cleaner, and then also more robust in the event of blackouts or brownouts will continue to fuel people's vehicles. It certainly seems like you would be in a good position to talk about climate change policies and how much progress or lack of it we are making today. But it seems that after several years of rolling back the U.S. stalling on climate change policies under President Trump and other influences, that we could be seeing a positive turnaround here. In Congress's $900 billion stimulus package, there are a lot of new funding provisions geared toward reducing fossil fuel and gearing up renewable energy measures. Yes, there's no doubt that I think we're going to see a very dramatic shift, particularly federal government approach to the climate, to fueling infrastructure, to the grid, and just to the movement in general. And I would say that the money is important, but I think that the place to start is it's just fantastic to see the U.S. regaining a leadership position in what is an inevitability. Let's face it, these things are going to happen. We can either lead or we can follow. 
And I, for one, am much happier seeing the United States in a leadership role than in a, in a role where we're all scrapping over the last lump of coal and the last drop of oil while our global competitors are operating with near zero OPEX in the energy field. So it's great to be back accepting science and showing that American innovation can actually improve the world and the economy and everything else. So that's a whole attitude change too then. Well, what are some of the specifics in that uh, congressional plan that you see? What stands out to you? Well, I do think that this idea that science and innovation should lead our efforts is highlighted. There's a, a significant amount of R&D money being made available through the Department of Energy, something in the order of $35 billion over the next few years for research and development in these new technologies. That will not be enough, but it's certainly much more than anything that we've seen over the last uh, several years. There will be lots of technology transitions that will need to take place. And then more practically in the short term, uh, particularly for our business where we rely heavily on solar, but so do so many others. An extension of the investment tax credit for a further two years. That investment tax credit has been absolutely fantastic catalyst for the rapid growth and reduction in cost of solar power. When I say reduction in cost, I don't mean just linked to the, the tax credit. I mean the fact that it's driven innovation within the industry, which has driven down costs, allowing people to produce electricity cleanly and very expensively. And then having some of those tax credits extend also into waste, heat to energy, for example, which is an area I think that there's a lot of opportunity and other things like wind as well. So in general, lots of good stuff. We could always take more, but lots of good stuff. One of the important aspects of this congressional action seems to be that both sides of the aisle are involved. This is a, a bipartisan issue for the most part, which is something we are not seeing a lot of these days. Yes. I mean, I've been asked a lot in the last several weeks about the impact of the, the changing administration moving to the Biden administration. And one of my responses to that is that actually there's been a great deal of bipartisan support for infrastructure spending, particularly diverting stimulus dollars towards infrastructure, transportation infrastructure, and even clean energy. And I think the one thing that should give us all the most hope is that even during this time, which is often described as being a very divided time, there seems to be a really powerful flow of support and agreement on these larger issues. And should the government play a role in, in supporting and propelling these things forward? And we have seen bipartisan support for it. And I think that gives us hope, not just from an energy and sustainability point of view, but perhaps politically as well. Well, because of all of those incentives, it seems that companies have a lot more reason to get into this, to make inroads. And you're talking about, you know, the United States may be becoming more of a leader here. But it seems that companies would also have that motivation, not just to become global leaders, but to get ahead of their own competition. Without a doubt. I think, you know, there are several great promises that uh, sustainability brings. At the end of the day, wasting less reduces your costs. Using renewable sources of energy, the costs are less volatile and therefore more forecastable. And again, will uh, lead to dramatic reductions in costs. And energy is one of the most significant cost contributors to the production of any product or service. So if we can get energy cheaper and cleaner, that's bound to have a good impact. But there's another impact too, which I think is really important. And that is that increasingly consumers are becoming less forgiving of the damage that the production of the products or services that they're consuming actually creates. And it's no longer good enough to just ignore the fact that whatever you're doing or using is at the same time wrecking the planet. And so they're going to choose more sustainably produced commodities and, and products. And then beyond that, we see one of the most important things I think Biden's focusing on is actually recognizing the true cost 
of polluters' products. And of course, when those costs are added to those products, uh, either through carbon taxes or other methods, that will make them less competitive and make consumers move even more quickly towards the more sustainably produced things which are already available, but perhaps not quite in the mainstream yet. Are there a lot of things that uh, consumers aren't even aware of at this point where there is progress being made? I mean, we're talking about solar research, wind research. Are there things in there that just, you know, a lot of us haven't been exposed to that we're not even aware of that could play a big part in all of this? I think that actually the difficulty comes less from a lack of exposure in the first place and more from a lack of understanding of the realities behind some of these technologies. For example, I think everybody knows that solar power exists, and yet it's extraordinary how many people have not put solar on their their rooftop. Certainly, the lowest hanging fruit investment that you can make, the most secure investment you can make, and yet people aren't doing it. Electric vehicles, another great example of this. People know they exist, but still believe erroneously that they're either too expensive to own or they they can't drive far enough for their needs. So there's a lot of misconception that remains in the consumer's mind about these technologies. And we really need to do a much better job of helping them understand that you know EVs are not golf carts anymore. Uh, they're actually the best vehicle you'll ever own and that there are other technologies. You, you may have heard of them, but do you really understand how they could benefit your life? So that's where I think we need to concentrate a lot of our effort here in the in the coming months and years. Well, what do you think the federal government and local governments, too, for that matter, and companies can do to educate the public and get this message out? Well, consumers love playing follow the leader, right? If you think about all the new technologies that we all take for granted today, you know, the smartphones, the headsets, and all these other things, there was always somebody in the neighborhood who kicked that wow. off, and, and, and then you get this mad rush to it. So I do believe that incenting, uh, you know, Biden's plan is to return the EV credit, uh, which makes it easier for people to handle the initial cost of the electric vehicle. Once there's an electric vehicle in a neighborhood, everybody wants one. It's really extraordinary how, how that sort of thing takes place. So I do think that there's a lot of messaging, public messaging that can be done. But for the most part, it's totally appropriate for the federal government to invest in infrastructure and tax incentives, which lead to these new technologies, which are obvious and which will certainly happen, but to accelerate them. All the great technologies that we rely on today were one way or another funded or supported by the government in this country. There's nothing new in this or controversial. So let's not be shy about it. Let's get on with it. So everybody wants to uh, keep up with the electronic Joneses in the neighborhood, I guess. There's no question about it. Yeah, you you touched on uh, Biden's plan there too, which is separate than the congressional plan. Uh, But that's all tied in, it seems, to his economic plan and COVID-19 relief. But he has managed to sneak in some clean energy goals there as well. Yes, the very significant spending on clean energy over the next few years. To give you an example, uh, Biden uh, talks about encouraging and helping to fund the deployment of over 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations across the country. But added to that, there's something in the order of a billion a year in R&D grants and other incentives for new technologies to make the deployment of this infrastructure happen faster. I mean, I think there's we're talking something in the order of $2 trillion in spending. And this is not just sort of flagrant pork barrel spending. We're talking about job creation here. We're talking about producing things which will beat the long-term benefit of the country. And of course, I think this is very important, particularly at this time where we have a lot of discussion around stimulus spending, getting the economy back on its feet, getting people back to work post-COVID. You know, we can either keep throwing money at the old things, or we can get people re-engaged in new technologies, new industries, which will carry us all forward. And I'm fervently in favor of that. We're talking with Desmond Wheatley, president and CEO of Beam Global. 
a leading provider of technology for charging electronic vehicles, among other things. It looks like, too, that a lot of companies and industries that have been traditionally part of the problem in extending the use of fossil fuels, that they're kind of getting into the act, too. I mean, there are energy companies that are starting to do their part, and auto companies, too. I mean, you've touched on this a little bit, but that whole attitude seems to be changing, and probably a lot of the public isn't aware of that either. If the dinosaurs had seen the asteroid coming and had the technology (laughs) to divert it, they would probably still be roaming around the planet today. And the fact is that the major oil companies and major other companies involved in polluting industries do see the asteroid coming and they do have the technology to do something about it. And I think this gives us all fantastic hope. I don't want to see any of these companies go away. I want to see them stop being extractive and destructive and diverting the fantastic war chests that they have towards new industries which allow us to have plenty, allow us to have security, but do it in a way that doesn't at the same time end up destroying our long-term future. So yes, it's really good to see this happening. Uh, Lots of investment in EV charging infrastructure and solar technologies and other renewable and sustainable technologies here. Is there enough? No, nowhere near enough. But I think it's a brilliant start. um, And I think we're going to see an awful lot more of it as time progresses. Have you seen some innovations take place that seem really unusual, different kinds of products that mean real breakthroughs? Well, yeah, I mean, look, obviously, I'm involved and engaged in the electrification of transportation. That's the area that I spend most of the time. And then, of course, I'm engaged in using renewable energy to make that happen. So those are the two areas where I focus. And I think what we're seeing, first of all, is a some fantastic technology improvements there. Uh, But actually, in many ways, I'm almost more interested in the revolutionary business plans that are coming out, innovative business models to support these things. So we've got tremendous new electric vehicle models, which will be hitting the market, allowing people to have the vehicles of their choice, not vehicles which are just based upon sustainability. Pickup trucks, sport utility vehicles, etc., all electric. Look at what Ford's doing with the F-150. Look at companies like Rivian and Lordstown producing the vehicles that Americans want, but without them being destructive. And then there are business plans which are coming down the pipe and business innovations. We're certainly involved in a couple of ourselves where we will make fuel free to Americans. Uh, You know, the average American spends $5,000 a year on fuel and maintenance for their internal combustion engine vehicle. Well, there are business models out there that can allow us to provide renewable and sustainable energy to those vehicles for free moving into the future. In the same way that Google with Gmail allows you to send a letter without paying for a stamp and an envelope and, and walking down to the mailbox. So look forward to these innovative business models as well as innovative technologies. And the great news is no one gives anything up. Everybody's life gets better. Are there some areas that Beam is also exploring besides things that we think about with electronic vehicles, automobiles, and trucks? Is there anything else where you're also applying your energies, so to speak? Well, our focus is on the intersection, the nexus, if you like, of clean energy and transportation. That's a very broad area. It's a very exciting area. I think it's one of the biggest paradigm shifts, frankly, in history. Um, But anywhere that clean energy and transportation intersect, you're going to see us playing. We just got a patent recently on our UAVR, which is a drone refueling product. Now, that's important, not just for us, but it's also important because it's an indication that we and others believe there'll be a massive growth in the use of drones for things like package delivery. And Mm. uh, just taking that one piece, package delivery with drones, doesn't just mean a reduction in hydrocarbons and petrol. It also means a reduction in things like congestion 
none of us like sitting in traffic jams, whether or not those vehicles are electric and clean. And so I, I think that you're going to see a, a real explosion of new technologies and business models in the next decade. And again, all of them very much to our benefit. Mm-hmm. You say all of your products are run by solar energy, right? Solar and to some extent light wind. Okay. Is there any way that you can sell power back to the grid? Anything along those lines? Yes. All of our products are capable of both buying and selling from the grid, although they generally operate standalone. But I think that the more important benefit that will be offered there will not be economic, but will be more to do with grid stability. Look, we're all more reliant on electricity than we've ever been at any time in our history. It turns out there are air conditioners. Uh, we don't have enough capacity on the grid to electrify transportation. And then we have to think about nefarious state actors and, and crackpot terrorists that try and knock out the grid. These are all things that we need to think very, very carefully about as we become more and more reliant upon electricity. Our products, because they generate and importantly store all of their own electricity, can provide a magnificent buffer, a safety valve, if you like. Think of us as the electric version of the strategic petroleum reserve that prevents us running out of gasoline and diesel. Our products will prevent us running out of fuel for our electric vehicles in the future. Well, I suppose, too, there would have to be a big need to upgrade the grid anyway if we're making this transition to low carbon. But that's got to cost a lot of bucks, hasn't it? I mean, how is that going to all happen? That need already exists, Pat. Uh, It's only going to become more vital as we electrify uh, transportation and as we become more reliant upon renewables. But here's a point I'd like to make. There's a lot of talk floats around about how there's something wrong with renewable energy because of the instability on the grid that it can be created by using renewable sources. This is not an indictment of renewable energy, for goodness sakes. This simply means that the grid infrastructure that we have is not sufficient to take advantage of it. Uh, Let's solve that problem instead of... uh, moaning about intermittency because the technology does exist. You're right. It will cost money to do this. But the money that we'll save from not doing the wasteful things anymore, from not going overseas for energy, for example, for not having to maintain an active military to defend our access to low and stable oil prices, all of these things, if invested in the right areas, will give us the most stable, the most reliable, and the most sustainable energy uh, infrastructure that we that any of us could ever need or, or hope for. It requires will. We have the money and we have the technology. It's the will that we need to really focus on. What kinds of things should investors be looking for? Well, I certainly do not intend to uh, present myself as an investment expert, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I can tell you my own philosophy. Sure. Um, I am looking for things which are inevitable. And so I'll give you a couple of them. The electrification of transportation is inevitable, whatever anybody says. The increasing use of renewable and sustainable energy sources to power our lives, inevitable and huge. And so then I'm going to say to myself, well, obviously, taking risk appetite and everything out of the question, then I'm going to say, who's most likely to benefit? What type of companies are most likely to benefit from these things? So you may not like an individual car company, but there may be industries which support all electric car companies. You may not like a particular EV charging company, but there may be companies that support all of them. And those are sort of safe ways. And if you don't even want to make your own picks, as you know, there are several mutual funds and other sorts of ESG funds that you can get into now that spend a great deal of time doing the homework uh, to get you there. But look for the big things and the inevitable things, and then enjoy the fruits of your investment and also the fruits of the uh, products and services that those inevitable things bring you. Are there any areas that you see as being especially risky in all of this? 
I try to focus on on making things better, uh, but of course, to do that in a wise way, it is useful to recognize where the pitfalls may be. Lack of education, we've already covered. That is the single greatest impediment to the advancement of all of the things that we've discussed on this call today, is that the consumer just isn't aware, doesn't have a full understanding of the benefits and the fact that they can have these things without giving up a, a great deal. And then, of course, we do have entrenched incumbents and who are, you know, it's pretty tough when you've invested a great deal of money going down one path and then there seems like there's a better path. You're going to fight hard uh, to keep things moving in the direction that you've invested in. You know, so beware of that as well. I do think that that's a losing strategy in the long run, but you may see some short-term blitz. I think the biggest risk to all of us, frankly, is increasing consumerism. I mean, we're, we, we are probably looking at declining population towards the end of the century, but the people who are alive on the planet will consume more and more like Americans every day. And that means we've got several Africas to come online, several Indias and several Chinas to come online. We better have sustainable ways of addressing their wants and needs because none of us can tell any other human on the planet that they should have less than we have or consume less than we have because it's damaging the planet. We need to find ways to get them what they inevitably will get, but do it in a way that is not damaging and is in fact sustainable and perhaps even uh, improving. Uh, there are ways to have all the comfort and stability and security and toys that we want and be improving the environment at the same time. Well, that all comes back to what you said earlier about the U.S. having to set a, a good example as well. The shining city on the hill. I, I love this country. I'm an immigrant. I love this country and I love what it has stood for and the things that it's done. Let's not give that up for goodness sakes. America needs to lead the world and, and teach the world and invest in the world improving itself, not do the opposite. So do you think we have made uh, a lot of progress in the uh, zero carbon movement? And what really makes you nervous and what makes you more hopeful? In the United States and globally, we've made a great deal of progress uh, where technology innovation, business model innovation is concerned. The problem, of course, is that people do not like changing their habits. And people don't like changing what they're comfortable with. Oddly enough, they don't like changing what they're comfortable with, even when faced with an improvement over their conditions. They'll continue with things which are bad for them, even when they know that there's an, an improvement out there. So the thing that worries me the most is sort of encapsulated by something that Winston Churchill said of Americans. Remember, he was half American himself, so he had a right to say this, which was that Americans will always do the right thing, but not until they've exhausted all of the other possibilities. Uh, we must not allow that to happen this time. We must go to the right thing uh, before we have exhausted all of the other possibilities. And the time to do that is now. Do you have any uh, general overall view of what the future is going to look like, what your dream is? Yes, I'm, a, I'm an optimist. Uh, I remember that we're part of nature and nature has a magnificent way of healing itself. Now, in our case, we're going to engineer that healing. I believe that technology and I believe that this, the solutions which are available out there today will win and that we will, in fact, get ahead of this before it's too late. And the great thing about that is partly we'll do that just by being more attractive to the consumer. Government tailwinds are certainly very helpful and very necessary. Policy is very helpful and very necessary. But what's going to really kick this thing into gear is when the mighty consumer starts making selections and elections, which take us in the right direction, because that has a sort of nuclear reaction. Nobody will be able to compete anymore unless they're producing things with these ideas in mind. And that, I think, you know, it's, it's all about the fantastic volume of human beings on the planet. If they're all doing the right thing, even just in a small way, we can make tremendous change. If they're doing the wrong thing, even in a small way, of course, it's very damaging. Well, that's terrific, Desmond. Thanks. And where can our listeners find out more about Beam Global? 
Well, obviously, our website, which is www.beam4all.com. So that's B-E-A-M-F-O-R-A-L-L.com. And then tell them to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from them. We learn a lot from people. Desmond, thanks so much for being with us today. It's been really informative and entertaining, too. My great pleasure. Thank you. Magnificent questions. This podcast is copyrighted by Seasons of Advice Wealth Management. It is published and provided for informational and entertainment purposes only and not for individualized investment advice. Please go to our website, soawealth.com, for additional information. We'll be back next time with more ESG stories and focus and another deep dive discussion and companion articles in the Socially Inspired Investor Digest. Our podcast mission is to make socially inspired and ESG investing more consumer-friendly and achievable. This is the Socially Inspired Investor.